today on Wine Access Unfiltered. Wait, do you drink more or less if you win? <laughs> after a win is, is way higher. Oh, interesting. I like that. Yeah, the bottle intake after a win is way higher. After a loss, you probably have a couple glasses and everybody's pretty quiet and ready to shut it down. When you win, everybody jolly. Keep the bottles coming. That's right. Keep that party going. <laughs> Well, welcome everyone to the Wine Access Unfiltered podcast. I am Amanda McCrossin. I am here with the wonderful, beautiful, talented Vanessa Conlin. Oh, stop. Looking fresh. Like she, uh, did you like just come off stage? I feel like you just like look so poised and perfect as you always do. It's the wine. It keeps me young. It does. I like that too. (laughs) Well, we are talking to Udonis Haslam today, three-time NBA champion, player for the Miami Heat resident of Miami for basically his entire life and lover of wine, recent lover of wine, I guess. And very inquisitive. Um, one of the things I, I really admire about him, like really excited to just keep learning and to talk about wine and not intimidated to uh, to jump on this podcast with us. So for sure. I love that. Yeah. No, I'm I'm super excited. He's got some some friends, uh, Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler, who I fear have been sort of the people that have helped to to get him into wine, but I guess we're going to hear more about that later. We uh, always select we always select some wines for our guests, both for us and for them to enjoy during this podcast. We got a little intel on what it is that he's been enjoying, some things that he would like to maybe enjoy. So those have been, he's loving Napa wines. Loves he Napa Cab. Loves Napa Cab. Uh, is a big steak lover um and is kind of curious about how other other regions other wines other other places to enjoy wine so i had a few ideas as to where i would have gone to select these wines but i'm curious what your thoughts were well knowing that he loves napa cab so that sounds like he kind of likes big powerful kind of bold maybe fruit driven wines um so you know southern rhone was was something that i thought of right away you know chateau neuf de pop could be uh, a fun thing to try um also you know since he loves cabernet i thought left bank bordeaux but since he likes napa um i thought a riper vintage might be fun to put in front of him for sure any other regions that you would have considered i think you know we could have gone to other um regions known for great cabernet sauvignon like Margaret River in Australia. Um, uh, we could have even done something like um, like Priorat, you know, Ooh. which has some pretty big, powerful wines there as well. You know, Grenache and Carignan based. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited with the ones we selected. And I can't wait to hear what he thinks. Yeah, I am excited, too. And I guess without any further ado, let's drink. So you got this T-shirt on, yeah. uh, which I really I I appreciate because it says Ray Finkel, and I literally have not thought about this since I was probably 14 years old, which is maybe the first and last time I've seen Ace Ventura in full. But I've seen it since then. So your T-shirt, talk about it. I have it. this really cool uh, place where I go get these T-shirts, and they have these really cool slogans on it. So, well, first of all, everybody knows Ace Ventura. I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan. Shout out to Jim Carrey. Huge fan of Jim Carrey all the way back to In Living Color days. So. Um, Ray Finkel laces out, you know, the kicker that blew it, you know, and I'm from Miami. So he was a dolphin kicker. So I oh, was yeah, like, that's right. uh, even though he wasn't a real kicker, I had beef with Ray Finkel because it was just a movie and it was the dolphins. And I was like, you blew it. But um, I'm a huge dolphin <laughs> fan. And everybody remembers Ray Finkel laces out. Man, Ace Ventura, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Does it say laces out on the? I can't see the bottom of the shirt. Does it say laces out? It does say laces out. Yeah. That's amazing. We have Udonis Haslam with us today, and you got some wine in front of you, I see. I have some wine in front of me, guys. I I, I am a beginner, um, and I am learning, but I'm eager to uh, get with the process. 
<laughs> we uh we love wine drinkers of all uh of all types and experience levels but uh i i love beginners to me it's like the most exciting part of the process and the journey like i remember the first time i picked up some wine and it was like i didn't really get it and i felt like it was just this really crazy thing to try to get into but the more i got into it the more i was like all right like i can i can doubt this um well we selected a few wines for you today based on some preferences some things that we were told that you enjoy some of those being you enjoy napa you enjoy eating a lot of steak um you like big bold wines but you also are wanting to branch out and experience some new things. So so we've thought of other wine regions that maybe um, were had some similar profiles to, to Napa Cab and would also pair well with steak, um, but are not from Napa. Um, so curious to hear your thoughts um, and find out if we did a good job. Yo, you guys have to educate me, so... <laughs> I thought all wine came from Napa. Well, uh, if you live in Napa, people think that way. (laughs) (laughs) So this wine is from where? So actually, both of these bottles are from France. So we have one from Bordeaux. That's the 2015 vintage of Ponte Canet, which is in Poyac, which is on the left bank of Bordeaux. And then the other one is um, from a little bit further in France, from the Southern Rhone. And that's the 2017 View Telegraph, um, which is one of probably my favorite producer from the Southern Rhone. That's actually the one I'm having, the View Telegraph. That's the one I'm having. Yes. So that's from Chateau Neuf de Pas. Yeah. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> See, the thing, the reason why I was so like timid about getting into wine at first was because I couldn't really say any of the names. So I was just like, you know, just it was kind of intimidating at first. You know what I mean? And as I started like getting more into it, only thing that guys would say, NBA guys, and it's easy for us, Opus One. Anybody can say that. Opus <laughs> One, Opus One. Like, you can't mess that up. You know what I'm saying? So I, without being You can if you've had too much Opus One. <laughs> Facts, facts, facts. But without even knowing anything about wine, I knew how to say that and it was comfortable and it it just made me feel like I knew what I was talking about, but I had no clue at the time. So this is really good. I I like it. From what I gather, um, it's a little, I guess, I don't know if I'm using the right term, lighter than like, like this one, I think is more like thicker. Am I using the right terms here? You, you're, yeah. So we, in in terms of like thickness, we talk about it um, with a word called viscosity. So it's like viscosity. a or, bo- or or body, like body, like body. That's the word, body. Okay, see, body. Okay, so this one has a little less body, but I like it better. Um, so. I like to think of body. So body's really just like the weight, you know, of the wine uh, in on your palate. So um, no, I think you're I think you're spot on. But what the way I like to describe it when people are learning about wine is you can think of, you know, low, um, like light, medium um, or full. And you can think of it as like, is it does it feel like skim milk would be light bodied? You know, does it feel like two percent milk on your palate? And this is just the feeling, obviously, has nothing to do with the flavors. But, you know, does it feel like two percent? That would be like medium bodied, you know, or does it feel like whole milk would be full bodied? So I think for me, this is like somewhere in between two percent and whole. It's like medium plus. I was kind of right then. I was kind of right. You're totally right. Yeah. And you're also you're also spot on with like the 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 names being some of the biggest hindrance in getting into wine. I think this is I heard this a lot when I worked at at a restaurant as a sommelier was, you know, people tend to order wines that they can pronounce. And so one of the biggest problems that we run into is so much of the wine world is not in the United States and not labeled as such make it easier for people to understand so well no the french definitely didn't uh make it easy either no they suck i don't know why they decided to like (laughs) 
screw it all up with they, all these crazy labels. They don't tell you what the variety is. Uh, yeah, it, it can be very intimidating. I tell you, like it can be very intimidating. I don't like to look crazy. So if, it's like if it's something that I don't know how to pronounce it very well, I might shy away from it. It can be intimidating at times. Yeah. We're drinking some adult beverages at the moment, uh, some delicious wine. But I'm curious, what were some of the beverages that you drank as a kid that you really loved? Uh, um, everybody had, I guess, I guess growing up, you know, the most things we would have was a little juice, little juice cartons. You just grab like, it's like six of them come in and you take them out and you just poke the little straw in them and you suck them. Like one, one <laughs> I second I remember those well. Like, what were those? High C? It was those high C? High, yeah. The, like I, the high C like juice cartons? The, the high C juice cartons. And, um, you know, yeah. So th- as a kid, that we we drank those all the time. Like we ran through those, and like my parents were like adamant on making us drink water. So like we didn't really have soda and any of that stuff in the house, or a lot of juice. You'd be lucky to get a juice box and get a- and raisins, and that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, juice juice was a uh, um, an extravagance in our house too. We didn't water was like the thing that we were allowed to drink. Milk, if you were, um, if mom remembered to go to the grocery store <laughs> and get it. But now, co- now college is different. Now, I- what was college? What did I drink in college? Now that's yes. a different conversation. That is a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what I drank in college, um, in, in college you don't have very very much money, so I really had a strategy. I would get like um, hotel size, like pint size of like cognac, and then like a, a quart of like whatever beer I could find. Sometimes it'd be like malt liquor because that's like really strong. And you have like a pint of little cognac and like a, a quart of like malt liquor and like. You're good for the night in college, and it's like literally five bucks you spent. <laughs> did you combine them together, or did you drink them separately? No, no, no. Always the cognac first. Always the cognac first, and then like the the chaser with the. Yes, you drink okay. you drink the cognac because it's only it's, it's a small pint. I'm a big guy. Just take drink, <laughs> and then you sip, and then you drink the quarter beer all night, and you feeling good. nothing like this though. Nothing like this. Not even close. Do you think you would have appreciated wine in college? Probably not because I didn't eat steak in college. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's all about the steak. My first um, introduction to wine was like really at, you know, at a restaurant. And, you know, as I, you know, drank it, I was really all the time with steaks. Like I would eat, I would order a steak and I would get a wine to kind of go along with it. What restaurant was that? Oh, man, Morton's. Oh, nice. A classic. Yes, Morton's was the first. And I always remember getting their um, their Cajun ribeye. I used to get the Cajun ribeye steak at Morton's and I would get a glass of wine. What is a Cajun ribeye? Uh, they usually, they tell you they age it for a certain amount of time and these different spices and, you know, Cajun spices and, you know, then they cook it. And, I, you know, I was always told to get a steak medium. Good man. <laughs> and then you you have your wine and that's how I was introduced to it by, you know, my guys that are in the, in the wine bit. Well, that are teaching me, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne, those guys are heavy in the wine. Um, they drink it a lot. They talk about it a lot. And that's how they introduce it to me as far as, you know, with your meals and different things like that. So you were out going out to dinner with uh, Dwayne Wade and, and Jimmy Butler and they were kind of like, drink some red wine with your steak or like, was it was it them in particular? Uh, no, it, actually, at first it started with um, one of the older guys that I played with. And as I got more educated on wine, Dwayne and Jimmy started to educate me more. Um, those guys spent a lot of time, you know, trying different vintage wines. But um, it was actually my rookie year in the NBA. Um, you know, Alonzo Mourning was the first to- person that told me. And he spoke highly of Opus One. He was the person that then I was like, okay, I can say that easy. I don't have to be intimidated. I can spit that out real quick. <laughs> Opus One and steak and bring the check. So that I got that nobody had to be worried about being intimidated. So uh, that's where it started. And then just getting more educated, you know, being around Dwayne and Jimmy. Those guys really, really not just drink it, you know, the, the, for the effects of it. Those guys really get into the educational part of wine and understanding the grapes and, you know, all that stuff. And 
I really took some time in Napa to understand, like, really, like, it can it can be like a long time for those grapes are actually ready to to harvest and make wine and, and and different things like that. So just the overall process of it was amazing to me. Like how much time has to be invested is really like almost like a a life a life project. Like it's not something you can just get into and, and get out. Really, a lot of time has to be put into that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've always found it interesting. Like, and I I think people like you that um have the career that you do, the amount of time that is spent behind the scenes working at your craft, uh, kind of twirling in obscurity where no one's watching all that time you're, you're putting in off the court is, is makes all the difference by the time someone actually experiences what you have to offer in the world. And why I've always found the the parallel between those two things. So interesting. That's a good analogy. Wow. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Oh, thanks. I'm, a, I'm using that. I'm using That's yours. that. That, is, that was perfect. So if you're uh, sharing a bottle with, uh, you know, Jimmy and, and Dwayne, do you mostly agree? Uh, uh, on on what you like, or do you guys ever ever um, you know have a bottle where you love it, and maybe Dwayne, it's not his, it's it's not what he enjoys. I mean, I pretty much I pretty much uh, am open to to trying different things because I don't I don't actually have a lane right now of what I you know what I like. Um, I like less body a little more. I noticed that I don't like feeling like super full. You know, after I, you know, have a couple of glasses of wine, so I feel like I like less body. I, I definitely know I'm consistent with that for sure. So do you feel like now that you're getting more into wine now, are, are there other players that look to you for advice and for education on wine? Wow. That's a great question. Um, not yet. Not yet, <laughs> but they will be coming. They will be coming. And, great answer. And with me being with me being, you know, the veteran, the captain, you know, the leader, um, I have to be well prepared. You know, as a leader, you got to know your guys. You got to know the guys you're leading. So if my guys are into wine, I got to get into wine. And what will be their first experience? Will it be Opus One? Definitely. I know they can say that <laughs> easy. Listen, and I'm already picking up pointers while we're on this Zoom. I'm watching you and I saw how you twirled it a little bit like this. <laughs> Ooh. And, and, and you, didn't hold your, you didn't hold your glass here. You held your glass like kind of like here. Is there a reason why you, you held your glass here? Um, yeah. like, like on the stem as opposed to the bowl? Yeah. Yeah. So you're not. Sub- I mean, you can do whatever you want, but uh, we hold it by the stem because your your body heat warms up the wine, and so we we try to keep the wine at a at a nice temperature, like at cellar temperature, and try not to heat it too much because heat can really do some negative things to wine. So we hold it by the stem so that you don't heat it up. So it's not just to look fancy. It actually has a practical reason. Yeah, you guys are dope. I appreciate you. <laughs> like, see, this is the kind of stuff that when I go out places, this is the kind of stuff that I need to know. 17 years in the NBA and none of my vets never told me. <laughs> they, they don't teach you this stuff. Uh, in, in we, we both went to uh, school for music and for theater, so they don't teach you this in any school if you're if you're wondering. This is like... They just told me there. Opus One. That's all they taught me. That's Opus right. One. Just say that. Just say that. <laughs> so I've heard that there's a sort of tradition um, of opening great bottles, let's say, after a game, you know, on the plane. Um, So is, do you bring something special with you uh, to open after game? And if so, does it change your selection of what you're going to open based on whether it was a a win or a loss? Yes. But I I will say this, I actually, I I had, I frequently travel and visit, you know, Europe and, and, you know, in the summer times and I've had, you know, bottles of wine, you know, sent back, you know, from different places that I've traveled to. Please don't ask me the names guys. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I and I have taken them on trips and games and we've shared wine, you know, after games, um, win or losses really doesn't matter. The amount matters on a win or a loss, but the kind doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, do you drink more or less if you yeah. win? After a win is, is way higher. Oh, interesting. I like that. Yeah, the bottle intake after a win is way higher. After a loss, you probably have a couple glasses and everybody's pretty quiet and ready to shut it down. When, when, when you win, everybody jolly. Keep the bottles coming. That's right. Keep that party going. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I read that, you know, you spent some time in France uh, early on. It sounds like you weren't into wine at that point, but was it even something that piqued your interest? Did you, it's such a part of the culture there. Were you curious or was it just completely foreign to you at that point? You know what? That's one thing I wish I could do over with my time spent in France was I wish I would have been more educated on that side of things, on the wine side of things and actually taking in the culture. You know, of being there. You know, at that time I was young and I was just ready to get back to the United States. So, you know, my mindset, which was crazy, is I literally stayed on American time the whole time I was in France. Like I was like literally on American time. I would take naps during the day and I would be up all night because in my mind I was, you know, preparing myself to come back and play in the NBA. But looking back, I wish I would have actually took in more, you know, opportunities to, you know, really enjoy the culture. Yeah. So you came you came home after that year in France and you were drafted by uh, your hometown, the Miami Heat, which has got to be just awesome. What was that moment like? Did you celebrate and, and did you drink anything in that moment? I was um, signed as a free agent. So what happens is they have tryouts and they have like a lot of guys, a ton of guys. So I walk in the gym coming back home and, you know, it's maybe like 50, 60 guys and they're only keeping one guy, you know, so immediately the odds aren't in your favor. So needless to say, when I did become the one left, the last man standing, <laughs> it was a lot of drinking going on. Definitely a lot of drinking. It wasn't it wasn't wine at that time. I'll tell you right now, it was that cognac stuff again. I'm telling you, that's that stuff that when you <laughs> that stuff that when you're young, the stuff that when you're young, you can just bounce back from. Now it's like I can't yeah. I can't drink that stuff. I was gonna say, do you could you go back to it if you needed to? Oh no, it take me five days to get back up the next day after drinking that. Um, so I, I'm so curious about your experience at Morton's and some of the restaurant experiences you've had. I I spent many years as a sommelier in a restaurant, steakhouse in particular. So I, I do judge people based on their steak orders. I I really respect yours. The medium ribeye is a prime order. Um, but I'm curious, how do you how do you approach ordering wine at a restaurant now? Is it different than maybe when you first started? Yeah, I think it's a lot different. I'm a little more confident now. Um, like I say, I know the fact that I like a lighter body style wine. So I'll ask. And that's another thing that Dwayne and, and, and Jimmy told me is don't be afraid to ask, you know, whoever brings the wine list, you know, for recommendations. And you kind of tell them what you're looking for and, and what you like and kind of leave it up to them, you know, to bring you, you know, recommendations or things that, you know, could be in that lane that you're looking for if you're not. 100% totally comfortable or educated right away. So that's something that I've, you know, gotten out of my comfort zone and not be afraid to ask. Yeah, I think it's, it's. I know I'm, I'm speaking from a biased perspective, but I think it's really great when people can in, employ the the sommelier and, and or the wine, the wine person who's at the restaurant and really pick their brains and allow them to to dictate the trajectory of the meal and pair things. And um, so it's really exciting to hear that you were you're open to that and having these conversations. Have there have there been any great discovery ones as a result of that? Opus one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a discovery no, I'm one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, um, that's the next step is to actually know what I like and remember the names of the different wines I like. So when I get to these places, I know exactly what to ask for. You know, right now it's more so, hey, let me see your wine list. Hey, let me tell you what I like. Let me tell you the kind of stuff I like. You know, I like light body. Um, well, okay, what's the term they say when it's like not dry? Tannic. Tannic, okay. Yeah, tannic. Yeah. Tannic is that in the wine world, we really suck for conflating these two things. So dry is related to the amount of sweetness that's in the wine. So like if there is actual sugar left in the wine, that mean, that's a that's dry or sweet. Tannin is like the structure. It's the it's 
what dries your mouth out. So it's really confusing. So when people say they like a dry wine in our like nerdy wine geek minds, we're like, oh, you like a dry wine, no sugar. But really what most people are saying is they like wine with structure, wine that has like a a drying sensation, which is different. Yeah. Tannins are they're they're a tactile sensation. So it's it's that same feeling if you had like a really strong cup of like black tea and you don't put any milk in it or anything and it kind of dries your mouth out. That's a tannin. It comes from the skins of red grapes. So when we talk about tannins, we're really talking about red wines. Um, And to Amanda's point, you know, if not all of the sugars have been fermented out, then it could have some sweetness. But the other thing I think that people often confuse is is sweet and fruity. So a wine can be very fruity, but still be dry. I like fruity and, 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 and a little bit lighter body. That, yeah, that makes sense because given that you you said you like Napa, you know, we have all this beautiful California sunshine here. So we get a lot of ripeness. So wines, we, we sometimes describe them as sort of forward, you know, so they're very like fruit forward, fruit driven or, or, or descriptors to um, but those but they're still, you know, they're still dry going, you know, talking about Opus One, it can have a lot of um, uh, ripe fruit, but would still be completely dry. You said uh, you said you've been to Napa a handful of times. Yeah, I did a wine tour. Um, it was amazing. I was I was really impressed about how much work we put in behind the scenes, and people see the finished product. I knew it was work put in behind the scenes and everything. I just didn't know how long it takes. It was about ten years. Like it's a long time, right? How long is it? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the wine, but yeah. Yeah, it can be about ten years. I was like, that's a that's a that's a project. That's a life project. That's not. That's <laughs> yeah. That's okay. That becomes a lifestyle. You know, if you're really invested and you want to be the best, that's a lifestyle. Did you visit Opus One while you were here? <laughs> no, I didn't have a chance to visit Opus One. You uh, didn't go to Opus One? <laughs> no, I did not go to Opus Next One. Next time. <laughs> Next time. They actually have a really cool facility. They're super high tech in that place. And they, I mean, they really only make one wine, but they've got their own lab and they do like crazy testing and experiments. It's it's one of the most interesting wineries I've ever been to. That's the next. That's, just that's let us know when you're list. coming back to it's Napa. It's on the bucket list now, guys. Well, it's on the bucket list. I think I'll learn. I think we'll I'll learn together. more. I think I've learned more with you guys than I learned in the last 17 years in, my, in the NBA. Oh, don't tell wow. Jimmy and Dwayne that. I, no, no, I am going to tell Jimmy and Dwayne that. Uh, that's exactly what I'm going to tell them. <laughs> so I'm actually talking with Dwayne next week um, you, about the oh, wines man. that he makes. So, um, so sad. Have you, you had? Have you had those wines? <laughs> <laughs> so sad for you. No, I, I, I love. I, I love. I love these wines. Um, he sent me all of them. I, I, he sent every time. You know, anything different? The rosés. Uh, I mean, literally everything. You know, they come to the house and I try them. And, uh, you know, as somebody who's still still learning, I know I like red. Hey, by by the way, you you never stop learning oh, really? when it comes to wine. Wow. So the oh, more you learn, sure. the more you realize yeah. you don't I'm, know. I'm yeah. not There's, a, I'm not that's a rosé person. So I know I'm not a rosé person. I'm not a white wine person. Uh, I'm a red. Um, I'm a lighter body. And I prefer to have it with a steak. Do you ever give Dwayne negative feedback? <laughs> Do I give Dwayne negative feedback on, on his wine? And have you ever given him some uh, some tough criticism or uh, or would you just say that you like it just to be nice? No, I tell him what I like and, and then, you know, that's it. You know, if I if I like it, I'll tell him, you know, he knows everything's not for me. Listen, he when he met me, I was still drinking that cognac stuff. I've come a long way. Dwayne <laughs> understands. Dwayne understands I'm a work in progress. <laughs> so is there another region uh, or country? country even or grape variety that um, you've really been sort of excited to try or learn about? The ones that I had that were really good, like I said, I don't have the names, but I remember getting those shipped back from Italy. Those are the ones that I took on the trips and in the planes. And, you know, with those guys, when we had that run, you know, when we went to, you know, 
four straight NBA finals. We had LeBron, you know, we had Dwayne. We had a lot of guys that were, you know, before I even thought about it, were, you know, into wine and, you know, carrying around, you know, like, I guess, what are the suitcases or the bags that you carry that are specifically made for wine? Oh, what is it? It's a Vingard Valise. These guys had those. And I was like, what the hell is that? And, you know, they were carrying those things around. And, you know, I was like, okay. Now, when I brought mine, it was more in a duffel bag, but it was still good wine. <laughs> and, um, throwing t-shirts yeah, out. We get throwing out batteries and stuff. Oh, here it is right here. But, you know, when, when we were doing that, you know, it was it was not even just, you know, the, the games and stuff. It was the camaraderie. You know, it was a whole, you know, vibe that was set up, the wine. And, you know, sometimes we would play cards and, you know, talk about our kids and, you know, wine just helped set the whole platform for the mood and the vibe of, of the relationships that we all had. And we still have those relationships today. If I see those guys today, guaranteed a bottle of wine is coming out and we're having those conversations like like it like it never left. Yeah, honestly, truly. And this is not a, not a like a pitch, but like this is the point of the podcast because we wine brings people together. It it brings people from all different uh, walks of life, all different career paths together. And to me, it's like it's the great unifier. So and it creates this great conversation that you wouldn't maybe necessarily otherwise have. I mean, yeah. totally. There's Inspires no conversation. And- There's no way I'm here yeah. with this Ray Finkel shirt right now if it wasn't for wine. That is right. There's no way. I I'm love here that. Right that Ray Finkel shirt was the highlight of my day. <laughs> Laces in, out. In addition to seeing your face. Laces, Laces out. out. Laces out. This is, but no, wine does definitely bring people together. Like I said, you know, during the quarantine, you know what I'm saying? Dwayne and I and Jimmy and we all, even not even just Dwayne and Jimmy, other friends, we would do Zoom calls and. We're not together, but there's a bottle of wine as we're having these conversations. You know, I do a poker night uh, with a couple of my guys, a virtual poker night. And during the poker night, I'm having a glass of wine and I'm sure they're having, I'm hoping they're having more than me. But during poker night, we're having wine during these conversations. So poker has definitely been, you know, key, you know, to get me through the quarantine. So I uh, I heard that Jimmy's favorite wine is Sasakaya, uh, which is from Italy. Um, it was also given to him. I think he said his first sip was by Mark Wahlberg, which is a pretty insane uh, yeah, introduction. That's, that's a hell of a first that, sip. Nobody has wine. that first experience. That's a hell of a first Come sip, Jimmy. Come on, that's now. ridiculous. Yeah, that's yeah. Come on, that's definitely a that's a humble flex. That's what that was. <laughs> Is it humble? That's a humble flex. I'm like, as soon as I get off this call with you guys, I'm calling him. That's a humble flex, man. Stop it. So is has he been some of the inspiration for you to to explore Italian wine then? Because Sasakai, obviously one of the not only one of the most famous wines in Italy, really one of the famous wines of the world, but but um but since that's his favorite. Jimmy doesn't take no finance. <laughs> Whatever wine Jimmy brings, I I can't, is I don't think I have a choice. Jimmy is very, very persistent when it comes to wine and when he brings his bottles. And he don't crack his bottles with anybody. So if Jimmy crack a bottle with you, you better drink it. Well, that's what he said about Mark Wahlberg, though. He said he didn't even want to try it, um, but it was Mark so who was very insistent. So uh, insisted that he try it. And, you know, here here he is now, a, you know, big wine lover. And he should be one to um, talk. He should be one to talk. <laughs> He, he he never he never let me stop to the plane lands. It's like, oh, just one more bottle. Oh, we got 30 more minutes. I'm like, bro, you said one more bottle, the last bottle. That's a lot. I mean, for me, I, you know, I'm a Oh, yeah, we're six, we're, yeah, we're six, eight, two, thirty. You know, we're six, two, four. You, know, yeah, <laughs> you got bit. a little, you got a little more space than I yeah, do. Yeah, we're big guys. How does that work with, <laughs> with wine? I'm sure it's like, what? okay, now help me with that, the alcohol levels and different things. How do you increase or decrease alcohol levels? Because all of it's grapes, right? So that can be um, because of where the wine is grown. So generally, um, when grapes grow in warmer regions, um, just like any fruit, like if you had a peach tree, you know, if it's going to, the riper it is, you know, the more sugar is in the fruit. So the more sugar that you start with in the fruit, the more um, 
um, the often the higher the alcohol uh, in the finished wine. But then there are other wines that, for instance, like fortified wines like port, where there's actually spirit added to the wine, which can which can obviously up the alcohol as well. But you could also like water it down. Like some producers, especially in regions like like Napa, where it's really hot, if they don't want the wines to be really pokey with the alcohol and, and kind of over the top, a lot of times they'll they'll water it back. Um, and that was it's a it's a common method um, to to try to like bring that down, but not legal in all regions. Oh, but, okay, but okay. also still practiced yeah, yeah. <laughs> in many regions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's called water watering back. So let me ask you a question, one or another question. So what's the, what's the thing with the cigars and the wine? What's that thing? Is that is that a thing? I'm I'm cool with the wine and the steak, but the wine and the cigar, I don't like that. I don't like that taste. Yeah, well, because there can be sort of pairing with cigars, which you might like or not like. But using the word cigar box is actually a descriptor that some people use to describe certain types of wine. I hear really? that a lot with Bordeaux. Yeah, actually, like yes, tobacco, cigar box, cigar leaf. Who really knows the distinction between the three besides probably Vanessa? But but yeah, particularly, you know, when when we talk about especially um, the use of oak, you know, French oak in particular sometimes can give this sort of it does have a bit of like the smoky uh, tobacco -y, uh cigar smoke type type notes to it, which some people really like as part of as part of the wine. But that's all coming just from the, you know, the grapes and the barrel. There's um, it's it's kind of amazing all the descriptors you can think of um, or that can inspire people to say about wine that sometimes have nothing to do with wines. Yeah. And I think like the the smoking of cigars with the wine, I think it sort of stemmed and I this is purely anecdotal, but I think it sort of stemmed out of finishing dinner and needing like a coffee to finish your wine with. And so instead of like having cheese, you would have tobacco because they because some of those things can can be um, in this like you can have the tobacco tasting or smelling wine and then you have your cigar. But that actually used to be like part of the regimen for becoming a master sommelier. You had to, I, it actually still might. Um, you had to know your cigars and like know really? the distinctions between different tobaccos. So it was it was like a big part of it. I think they got rid of it because it was a little it was pushing well, on scandalous and harder yeah. to find places where you can actually smoke cigars. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. The, yeah. yeah, I'm happy they got rid of that one. So talking about wine descriptors, has anyone ever said something or described a wine in a way that you thought was just totally over the top or ridiculous? I'm going to say yes. I, I'm going to answer for you. I mean, they have, but I'm trying to figure out exactly what they said. How did they describe it? That was Fresh totally cut wrong. garden hose. <laughs> I was going to say tennis balls. <laughs> oh, man. I've heard, I've heard a lot of different things. I don't know, but I've, I've, I've heard different, you know, descriptions. And I'm like, what? And they have to explain those things to me. That I mean, that happens all the time. As somebody, like you say, you never stop learning. So that happens all the time. Um, but you know, like I said, I, I got two guys that are really, really deep in the game. You know what I'm saying? So with those two guys, and obviously with the time that I have on my hands, you know what I'm saying? I'm learning every day, and and it's kind of cool. Like you know, one is something like I said. I sit down, I chill. It can be with a phone call with my boys or it could be on a conversation with a with a with a business partner or something like that. It's really for like every or it can be at dinner. Like it's really for every every situation. So do you like to learn mostly from, you know, your friends or do you ever just read about wine, you know, online or in a magazine? I'm more so a guy that takes recommendations. You know, from guys that I, the guys that I spend a lot of time with, you know, guys that, you know, know what I like or, you know, we like some of the similar things. You know, I'm more of a recommendation guy. Um, but if it's something that I find that I like, I will do research on it at, at some, you know, at some point, like Opus One. <laughs> <laughs> the title of this podcast is now officially. I just know the name. Like I said, for me, I, and it's crazy because I always like related like wine to like 
older and being older and an older way of like thinking and like, you know, moving and, and different things like that. And that has nothing to do with it at all. You know, I was, you know, misinformed and, you know, I, I had wine suppression. That's what it was. I had wine suppression. I wasn't allowing myself to really open up to, you know, the wine thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the culture of wine drinking has always been something more of the older generations, what you what you watch your parents drink or like, you know, fancy people on TV. Um, so even for me, like growing up, I never imagined myself in my 20s drinking wine and like certainly becoming a sommelier was not in the cards. I didn't think for me. I mean, I remember like going to restaurants with my parents, like talking with a fancy French sommelier or just like watching him like walk across the room in a suit, like never in a million years would I've ever imagined that I would do that job. So yeah, I didn't even know that job existed growing up. Yeah. My, I, yeah, didn't grow up with, my parents drank very little wine. I mean, yeah, if you had told my, my child self, this would be what I was yeah. doing for a living. I, uh, I, I don't think I believe yeah. you. But I think the age bracket's moving down a little bit. Like, I think you're seeing more people in their twenties and thirties and early forties starting to embrace wine and, um, it being a little bit more accessible than it used to be. That was always the issue. It was like, how do you get into it? You know, I don't really want to listen to some old, old dude talk about it. I think, I think <laughs> wine is like also like, you know, super like, um, I think wine is super critical in marriages and households as far as like, yes, I think a glass of wine, you know, when the kids go to bed and, you know, different things like that, I think is like therapeutic for sure. Yes. Like facts. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I Are you and your wife on the same page with the wine? Definitely on the same page. She just can't keep up. I think I, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's not the page, it's the amount that, is, that we differ on. Okay. Like, I'm like, you done, wife? She's sleeping. I'm like, okay, I just go get another bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, we know you like your, your steak, but is have there been any other fun pairings that you've tried? With wine? Oh, wow. Um, like, for example, I really love Goldfish and this Chateau Neuf de Pop. Really? Oh. By Goldfish, I mean, well, I, yeah, I, like, like Goldfish cheese. crackers. I've done the cheese and crackers thing with wine before. That's something that, yeah. even though I wasn't in, into wine, you know, in, in France, you know, I've experienced the different the different tastes with the cheese and the crackers and, the, and the, you know, the, cran the little cranberry fruit, different things like that, that just mm -hmm. enhance and, and give you different tastes, you know, when you drink the wine. I've experienced that. And I was I was like, hold on, this cheese and cracker and wine, that don't go together. And then it's like, oh, it's, it, bring, <laughs> it brings another flavor and it offsets this. And I had to get into the science of it. And I was like, okay, now that makes sense because cheese and crackers and wine, that don't go, that, that don't make sense. <laughs> but I had it's to wild, really right? Like, that's all I got yeah, into wine. I had to get into the really, like, the different flavors that offsets this and, you know, it wakes this taste mm -hmm. bud up. And I'm like, okay, now it makes sense because if you're just going to tell me cheese crackers and wines is going to fool me up, I'm not I'm not buying it. That's not going to do it. I need more. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Napa. So I know you're more red, a red wine drinker, but if you ever want to try a different pairing, um, we have a, a master sommelier who works at, at Wine Access with me and he likes um, steak and Chardonnay. Uh, it is actually very delicious. You have to have a really fatty, fatty steak, like a Wagyu or like a fatty ribeye. But yeah. When that when that moment well maybe you know maybe when you're back in Napa we'll we'll make it work. I am open to that. I am open to that. Like I said, you know, at this stage of the game, like you guys told me, you never done learning. So yes, I, I would love to try that. You know what's really crazy about it is like when you so the the richness of the steak, especially have you ever had like an A five wagyu like that really really decadent steak? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. So you it's know it's super, like it's, it's really rich. It's really it's, fatty. It's, it's it's not like super big, but it's like super expensive for like. 
super expensive. Yeah. It's like they give you like four ounces of yeah, it. Yeah, it's about this big. Um, and they, but yeah. because it's so fatty and it's so rich, a lot of times red wine overpowers it and you you actually like miss the flavors of it. So um, to Vanessa's point, like I've I've often paired a Chardonnay with it because it has a lot of times just the, the right amount of body, but it doesn't overpower and it like highlights the richness and the butteriness of that steak. See that? See what? It's you, pretty cool, actually. See the things you guys are talking about right now. Those are the things that I really had to understand about, you know, with the steak and the richness and you know how the different flavors coexist and you know how stuff like that. And when, once you understand that part of it, then you're like, okay, now it makes sense. Now it all goes together and. It's like when yeah, I go to a restaurant. you can understand like salt, fat, acid, heat, you got it. Yeah, when I go to a restaurant and if I order steak, I'm definitely ordering. It's like, it's, it's you can book it. I'm ordering some red wine. I won't order a steak at a restaurant without ordering a red wine. I just won't do it. I think it's great that that you said, you know, you like to leave the selection up to the sommelier because in a way, and Amanda, you, you know, you ran wine list for years, but it's you, you should know that backwards and forwards, right? It's yeah. kind of like your baby. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's like uh, it's like knowing what what players to play. Right. Like, you know, like who's performing well and like, you know, who's who's going to be the right fit for this. I don't know basketball, by the way. So if I'm wrong, forgive me. But <laughs> it's, okay. it's OK. It's OK. guys. Listen, trust me. Like, at the end of the day, like I, I, w- I would say, like, you guys probably put just as much time or more time into you guys craft as I've put into my, you know, just on different platforms. You know what I'm saying? Just listening to you guys right now. You guys know your stuff. So. Kudos to you. We just we just drink a lot of wine. It's, you know, it's different. It's a tough job, but someone's got to do That's it. Right. Yeah, we um, well, I know you. I know you have a lot of jobs, um, and I know uh, you're heavily involved in business, uh, your own businesses. You own a lot of uh, different franchises and and things like that. In addition to having a very successful career as an NBA player, but um, I'm I'm told you've been doing a lot of work in the in the charities sector. Um, and in particular, helping out with your community. So can you talk a little bit about what you've been up to lately? I mean, everybody understands, you know, how, um, you know, COVID-19 virus completely like, you know, just shook our, you know, economy, you know, our environments, you know, um, you know, my city, I'm born and raised in Miami, Florida. You know, I had the opportunity to play 17 years with the Miami Heat and win three championships. So, you know, um, you know, this is a great place and a lot of people want to come visit. You know, a lot of people want fun in the sun, you know, but with the virus and, you know, everything, you know, kind of changing things, you know, I think people were just a little insensitive to the local people who have to suffer, in particular the inner cities and, and, the, and the youth. You know, so so my first mission was to make people aware and understand and kind of be selfless and not selfish about what's going on here and wanting to just educate people on saying, hey. There's kids, there's people here that need to work and, you know, different things like that. So for me, we we created this movement called Power Force Through Hunger. Um, and through that, we fed a lot of families, a lot of kids, and we're raising money. I'm doing this thing right now where, you know, I'm auctioning off a lot of special time with myself because I consider myself one of the most interesting people in the world. So if you, <laughs> if you win, you know, one of these things, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a, I have two 800 degrees wood fire kitchens. I have two Starbucks, two Einsteins, five Subways. Three Auntie Anne's. Um, did I forget anything? Yes, cinnamon uh, sugar pretzels. Yeah. Oh my gosh, gosh. that's my weakness. But um, <laughs> you know, through all those you know different things, I was able to provide jobs in my community. And and you think you've done so many things right, and you're like, yes, I got it figured out. I'm helping people. And then COVID nineteen hits, and none of these people can work. You know, and none of these people. And now it's like I really felt bad, and I really felt like I was back to square one you know, with everything I had accomplished with, with, you know, the people in my community moving forward. So, you know, how, 
what was another way that I could impact the community was, you know, providing, you know, opportunities, you know, for these kids and these families to food, to get food. So um, I'm putting my time out there, you know, auctioning off workouts, auctioning off golf time, which I really can't golf, but that doesn't matter. I'm a great guy to hang around with. And <laughs> I'm a great guy to hang out with. And with crack, great wine. Yeah, I'm a great guy to hang out with, crack jokes and drink good wine, you know, cook with me at one of my restaurants. Whatever it is, you know, I think it's just going to be a great time and it's all going to a good cause to feed the kids. And, you know, right now, what everything is going on with the injustices and everything in the community, um, I definitely was wanted to be on the front line with my community in Miami. It's just making sure everything is unified, you know, regardless of how we move and what's going on. We have to move collectively. It has to be unity. And there's no nothing that's going to change without unity. You know, one side is not going to get anywhere without the other side. So you have to start one community at a time. And I'm just starting with my community. Uh, I think we both really applaud you for for giving back and all the work that you've done. It's really admirable. And I know Dwayne Wade has also been really involved in in charitable work. So do you two kind of inspire each other to to do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in, we inspire each other to be better men, better fathers, better husband, better businessmen. You know, we challenge each other in so many areas. You know, um, the 800 Degrees Woodfire Kitchen that I own, I'm actually partnering with Dwayne in that. So we own that together. Um, so we challenge each other in so many ways to be better. You know, me stepping out into this business world and being a businessman was partly, you know, because of my relationship with Dwayne and just being comfortable of, you know, stepping out and, and, and you know, doing something different, being uncomfortably comfortable. That's what we call it. Being uncomfortably comfortable, you know, in that world, you know, so it's not easy. I commended him first. He was the first to step out there and do it with his fashion and just wear all kinds of crazy stuff. And he didn't care what I said because I said I had a lot to say with the way he used to dress early on. But now, you know, <laughs> I've seen that people have caught on and maybe he was on to something. He had to be ended up being a trendsetter. So I apologize. But, you know, he was the first he was, he was the first to just step out there and, and, and just, you know, do whatever he wanted to do. And, you know, for me, you know, getting into all these business things and wine and stuff like that, those are things that I just wasn't comfortable doing or just wasn't accustomed to. Yeah. The best compliment I've ever received in my life was when Dwayne came to the restaurant that I was working at and he walked by me and he was like, I like your look. And I swear to God, I, the rest of the night was, that was it. I couldn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guy. What restaurant was that? Uh, it's called Press, Press. in, uh, in St. Helena in Napa. Yeah. Okay. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah. I, I might have went to that restaurant. Did you have steak in Napa Valley? Because you probably went to press. Yeah, I think I might have went to. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it was. Actually, at that time when I went, because Napa trip, you know, Dwayne and I planned it together. But that time when I went to that restaurant, Dwayne wasn't with me. But I think I went to that restaurant. Napa is dope. You guys, were you there? You for... guys are living the dream. Oh, it's the best. Come on. I mean, next to Miami, which I love, and I'll be down there. I love like Miami also. Yeah, it's an amazing city, and you guys, it is will, an you guys city. will have all the fun and enjoy it, man. It's, it's, I love it. And, you know, 17 years I've had and an amazing team. Yeah, I had then I had opportunities to play other places and I never left. You know, this is this is this is my home. Miami's the best. I'll I'll live there someday. We uh, my family lives up in um, West Palm Beach. And uh, so we I spent a lot of time in Miami and uh, love like Aventura and um, or not Aventura, like Wynwood um, going to like the food truck scene over there. I think it's just an amazing place. That's dope. And it's crazy um, that you guys like love those things and that and that's amazing because i remember how winwood used to look and i remember how winwood looks now yeah so we appreciate you guys coming down and and, and enjoying winwood because it's come a long way oh panther coffee is one of my favorite coffees on the planet hopefully when uh, we can all reconvene and, and gather in in groups again we'll come down for it yeah and speaking of reconvening and traveling please you know when you come to napa you you have to let us know because uh 
we can we can try Opus One, but um, there's certainly no, some no, other no. places we'd we'd love to show you. You guys have educated me more than enough, and and I'm looking forward to it. Mark my words, I will be I will be in Napa. Good. Well, we can't wait to see you, and uh, I I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's been really really fun drinking wine and chatting with you and uh, learning about your your wine life and and the life that you have in Miami and all the great work you're doing there. So thank you for. For all that you're doing, thank you for sharing your story. And uh, please let us know when you're in Napa Valley again. Thank you, guys. And one question. Should I have been drinking both of these wines at the same time? I feel a little bubbly. No, I'm ha- I'm half of each bottle, so I'm one bottle in of two different wines. Do you have a preference between the two? Yeah, I definitely like the um, Du, du Telegraphy. The Chateau Neuf de Pop, yes. Du can... Telegraph. Yeah. You can say CDP for short. You know what? That's what I should have said. CDP. 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 Definitely. Okay. I like the CDP. What, what, what the cool kids say. What would you guys have chosen? You, I'm sure you guys have drank both. What would you guys? Um, hard to say. I like them. I'm a Bordeaux um, fan, but if I'm going to drink wine from the Southern Rhone, it's definitely this producer. Mm-hmm. The Domain View Telegraph is my absolute favorite producer of, of CDP. So that's a tough, that's a tough choice. Yeah. The I will say the Bordeaux is kind of young, but I... We picked the younger version of this wine and then also sent you the 2010 version of this just to like so you could see like the difference between the two and maybe lay down the 2010 and like cellar it since you were cellaring a little bit longer. But yeah, I think like drinkability right now. I mean, Chateau de Pop Young is always better than Bordeaux Young. So I go I go View Telegraph C- CDP. OK, CDP it is. Then. I got yeah. a little I got a little cellar. CDP. So, yeah, I definitely got a little cellar. I'm a- so now you got a little seller now, but you're gonna have a big seller later. I promise yeah, you that. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, it's well, a slippery slope. I, I, <laughs> you start with a wine fridge that's like this big, and then you have one that's this big. Once I find a hobby, I tend to I tend to overdo it. Once I find a hobby, I tend to overdo it. So we hope so. Um, that means we're doing our yeah, job. Yeah, we can help you. With that. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a cellar, but um, we have a whole uh, bedroom that I've converted into a wine room, so it can happen. <laughs> well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. I will see you guys in Napa. Don't be surprised. Yes, we look forward to it. <laughs> um, Vanessa, I'm still getting over the fact that he's wearing a Ray Finkel shirt. I can't get over it. That was the <laughs> best thing ever. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you can't see it, but he's got this. We'll post it on Instagram if you want to see the shirt, but he's got this blue shirt on and I'm looking at it and I'm like, laces out. Lisa's out. I know that the, that's a Ray Finkel reference from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And I was like so nervous. I didn't know if I wanted to ask him or not, but then I feel like it totally broke the ice. So now we're just fast friends. I'm so glad you got that reference because I have to say I didn't. So thank <laughs> goodness for you. <laughs> okay. Well, fun fact about me, my fantasy football team name is Finkel's Revenge. Gosh, this is like a match made in heaven. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Also, fun fact, not doing well this season. Um, <laughs> well, that was super fun. He uh, he was a, a breath of fresh air and and a lot of a lot of stories to tell that uh, that I didn't expect. Namely, one of them being drinking cognac and malt liquor in college. I don't know. Is that something that you did in college? Um, no, but you know, everyone has to start somewhere, and I can't say my tastes were necessarily more refined. It was just different. I, I remember drinking <laughs> a lot of amaretto sours. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Two peas in a pod. I was obsessed with Almerta sours. They're delicious. <laughs> it's just a, like a perfect hangover recipe. <laughs> well, suffice it to say, I think we're all just really progressing in our in our palate and our preferences as of late. So last drops, we had some View Telegraph Chateau Neuf de Pop and 
the wonderful signature Ponte Canet from Bordeaux, um, which I know is a huge favorite of yours. I thought it was interesting that his favorite was the View Telegraph. But what did you what was your favorite today? I, you know, I have to agree with you. I, I just based on knowing that he likes Cabernet, I kind of thought he'd gravitate towards the Bordeaux. But this is what I love about trying wines with people is they surprise you. Totally. So, and I mean, honestly, though, both of those wines, such icons for their respective regions. So you really can't go wrong. You we didn't go wrong. We drank both of them and most of the mm-hmm. bottles gone. So we we clearly did very well. Um, yeah. But I think the one thing that maybe wasn't surprising is yet another love for and shout out for Opus One. You know, it's surprising and it's not surprising, I guess, right? I mean, such a famous brand and for such good reason because of the wine quality. But you know what I I hadn't thought of before, which he pointed out, was that also it's you can pronounce it. I I had never really considered that, um, you know, there is, of course, that sort of fear factor when looking at foreign names. And am I going to butcher this pronunciation? (laughs) And and that's, you know, a wine that you can select off of a list and know that you're going to get a beautiful glass, but also you won't have to like feel uh, intimidated about ordering it. I couldn't agree more. It was a an obvious thing to for him to point out um, that I had just never even considered before. Opus One, it rolls right off the tongue and, you know, clearly a beloved brand globally and, and a wine that we certainly love in Napa Valley. So I am all sorts of craving a steak right now. I don't know about you. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Yes. I mean, <laughs> Chateau Neuf, Bordeaux. Yes, I'm craving a steak too. All right. Well, we'll grab some steak. And if people want to do the same and grab some of these wines, where can they find Ponte Cane and View Telegraph or wines like them? I'm so glad you asked. You can find them at WineAccess.com. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram at WineAccess or on Facebook at the Wine Access Experience. And of course, Amanda, tell us where they can follow this podcast. Yes. Well, they can follow the podcast and see the video clips and images of the well, I'm just going to call it eponymous shirt now, the Ray Finkel shirt um, on Instagram at Wine Access Unfiltered and on Twitter at Wine Access Pod. And that is where we hang out when we're not doing these podcasts uh, together virtually, but, you know, doing our thing. So you can find us there. And if you loved what you heard today, and I certainly hope you did, please make sure you rate this podcast a five stars. Give us a review. And of course, subscribe. Don't ever miss an episode because we would hate for you to miss out on another wonderful conversation. And we've just had so much fun doing this. So thank you, Vanessa, for being here. What a great conversation we've had today. And uh, I don't know, you do anything from for the holidays? You're going to go make some eggnog or something? So we make chipino is a family tradition. So pairing, pairing that probably with like a so, you know, a crisp white. I'm thinking yes. actually um, one of Dan Petrosky's Massacan wines would be delicious with Chipino. I think Anya. that is a- brilliant. I love it. I just had the onion. It was delicious. Well, enjoy your Chipino. Enjoy your holiday if I don't see you. And until then, uh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>